For episode 32 of the Be Ready Training Podcast, I was joined by Alan Janine. Alan is a strength and conditioning coach currently based in Cork, working out of Ackley Gym. Along with personal training, group sessions and online coaching, Alan is currently pursuing his master's degree. Alan has represented Ireland in wheelchair rugby for the last six years. He is also a founding member of the Rebel Wheelers, an organisation dedicated to empowering youths with physical limitations. Throughout our chat, Alan talks about his journey to date, current topics he's looking into, the importance of breaking down barriers, queuing, playing with Ireland and much more. Thank you for listening. Mr. Alan Deneen, welcome to the Be Ready Training Podcast. It's great to have you on eventually. Eventually, yeah. Um, yeah, looking forward to this now. Should be good. Absolutely. Not your, not your debut by any stretch. I heard, no. heard you on the podcast recently enough, which I tr- truly enjoyed. And uh, hopefully we can get more out of you now this time around so I can learn about you and your past and everything. So looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was on one there. Jeez, that was three years ago now, I think. So uh, second one, you're lucky. You're due one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to kick things off, I suppose, uh, can you just give us an elevator pitch of who you are, where you're from and what you do? Yeah, I'm Alan Deneen. I'm from Cork, Ireland. I am a strength and conditioning coach and I suppose I kind of have a unique a unique backstory there because like, I'm more or less one of the only strength and conditioning coaches in a wheelchair coaching in Ireland. Um, I'm not too sure across the globe, but I know where we are definitely a small community of um, coaches out there. So I kind of have that kind of unique backstory already. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. No, it's it's very unique. And like, as I said, like listening to that podcast, it was crazy to hear about the condition because I, I had no idea because we've only chatted briefly over the last yeah. years or whatever. But if you just want to tell us a small bit about, I suppose, the osteogenesis. Can you just take us through um, what exactly it is? Yeah, so... Um... It's brittle bones or osteogenesis imperfecta. Um, it's kind of a, a mutation in the collagen gene where, like, my collagen doesn't form properly, so my bones are affected through that. So, like, I could I could sneeze and break a rib. Like, not anymore. I'm not that brittle anymore. So, we'll just put that out there now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, like, I've had fractures there growing up where, like, I swung a tennis racket. And I broke my humerus, like, and my arm was just swinging side to side, like, and I was just looking at it, like, oh my god! So, um, and was it would that be painful then? Yeah, yeah. Some of them are very painful. All right, like, but um, I've had over a hundred there now, over since summertime. That wonderful break you've seen. The leg, um, yeah, yeah, that was. I was on ninety nine, and then I broke that bone in four <laughs> you different have, places. You have to get to the hundred, like, <laughs> yeah. So I broke that in um, four different places. Wow. So that brought me up to, what, 103? Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> because yeah. it's something I did, I did want to touch on, particularly kind of lockdown and, like, how you as a coach coached with lockdown. And that was definitely in a spanner in the works, no doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah, geez, that definitely to a massive spanner in the works for me. Yeah. Um, like, lockdown, coaching up perfectly. Then we transitioned onto online then I broke my leg, so I was just, like, out of action completely there for four weeks, like, not doing anything. So then that kind of made me reassess my own coaching. Okay. And, like, um, I was just like, what am I going to do now if this happens again? And then from that chat with Anna, and we were just like, oh, like, we should definitely, like, try 
build on this online thing like because you can do that from anywhere like if you're stuck in bed again with a broken leg or a broken arm or whatever that like, you're not out of action so um yeah covid was interesting for me through that all right and with the kind of leg alone and being out of action how did you find that from a kind of a mental perspective yeah like you know i i'm actually as weird as it is i'm used to being out of action like that so um like with that i just like have kind of not routines but like I really like focused my time onto college more there because I was like, okay, I have nothing else to do. Might as well be like this excellent student for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then like with that, I was just still trying to get in any form of exercise I could. So like I was out of hospital and then I was back in Ackley like three weeks later, just trying to figure out what I can do. Cause I was like, this is class. This is an opportunity for me to develop a strength program for people who are in my situation again like who break a leg and they're like oh i can't do anything and you're like ah well here i got you covered mm-hmm. so um yeah like definitely definitely opened some horizons that way because it made me think about my programming way more okay. and i was like like even just for because i program a lot for wheelchair users like that is kind of like my baby so to speak like and i was just like okay no i actually know what it's like for someone say that's paralyzed and has like no use of their lower body at all yeah so it's like okay how am i going to program now like how will this transfer into say jim's program there now that has no core muscles no leg muscles like and i was kind of in that boat so um definitely made me think that way brilliant class yeah every cloud is a silver lining yeah (laughs) definitely we've had plenty of them (laughs) (laughs) So I suppose, um, you know, you're you're doing a master's at the moment. You're coming to the end of your master's. Um, yeah. What has that allowed you to kind of go into from study point of view yourself? Or is there any topic in particular that you've been looking into over the last few months? I, during my undergrad, I was like, um, right, I don't want to stick to just disability. I was like, I want to like keep a broad, uh, broad outlook on everything. Like I want to be able to coach, say, athletes, as well as I can coach someone in a wheelchair. And um, then as like, I was kind of going through the undergrad, I was like, geez, there's actually like nothing out here on like disability, you know, like there's studies out there, but like they're not really applicable to real life. And I was just like, oh, like what will I do here? And then going into the masters, you obviously got a lot more scientific in your writing. So I was like, okay, I actually, I'm going to base a lot of my case studies here now on the dis- disabled population because I know what they're going through. Okay. Whereas like when I was saying, you're in the grand, I was writing about like an athlete there and a pitch-based athlete. And I was like, I actually don't know what it's like to run or I don't know what it's like to do a squat. Wow, okay. So um, I was like, I'm going to stick to what I know for this now. So that kind of put me into that niche now where I'm, not that I'm solely focused on disabled athletes like but i'd say i'm definitely going to end up in that route yeah because like there's there's very little out there so it's definitely somewhere i'm going to try and research further i feel so um, yeah. no, it's, it's, it's so so interesting and um 
I suppose I'm just relating to it from a rugby playing point of view where I feel that I need to be playing the game in order to relate to the players yeah. and how they're feeling and so on like that. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. And what have you found, like, I suppose, with the people you're working with who are wheelchair users at the moment? What would, like, be common defaults or aches and pains that they might suffer from? Um, what uh, yeah, definitely shoulders. Like, okay. shoulders, like, yeah. just shoulder impingement and, like, rotator cuff issues the whole time. Even myself, I tore my uh, labrum there back in January, just overuse, like, and Go on, so, yeah. yeah, shoulder, definitely shoulder pain, wrists, fingers, like, tennis elbow is another massive one, actually, just thinking about it there. No doubt. So, like, there are some commonalities out there with some sports, like swimming now, for example, like, yeah, there's, sure. I look at swimming a lot for kind of what I'm doing with wheelchair users. Because I'm like, okay, there's a lot of shoulder injuries there. Like shoulder impingement is big in the two sports. So I was like, hmm, maybe I can like take this idea and transfer it into a special population. Like special populations is what it's called. Um, so I was like, maybe I can transfer it into this now. Interesting. So um, looking at that and then kind of looking at the research that's out there, I'm trying to like say for example the elastic index or the bosco index mm-hmm. i was like looking at things like that and i was like hmm i wonder can we transfer this over to the upper body and like come up with a protocol for that so wow there's there's been a lot of things i've test on me on myself so um hopefully hopefully things will come out of that yeah. as well no better way to spend your time training the wi-fi and as well as kind of just testing out yourself how it happens yeah you know, it yeah definitely like i'm definitely my my own guinea pig when it comes to this stuff like because obviously i'm the only coach in Ackley that's in the wheelchair so like the lads come in there sometimes and they're like what is this fella doing like <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i look forward to seeing how all that plays out over the next six to nine months i think you're saying so best yeah. of luck with the, with the masters anyway Thank um, you. Just going back a bit and throwing it back to when you were growing up, because yeah. I, I know you, you weren't in a wheelchair until you were five. So like yeah. you would have been out and about playing around or whatever. What were your main interests, I suppose, in school or growing up, in sports, but also elsewhere? Um, in school, I was actually kind of always into science, which was odd. Um, so like, especially primary school, I was only reading some report cards there during lockdown that my mom was clearing <laughs> out upstairs and uh, I've heard it like <laughs> yeah. and um they were just there and they were like oh science is excellent like PE was good so like I was always kind of sporty growing up yeah um but then oddly enough I didn't start sport until 16 because um like there was there was no sport out there for wheelchair users everything was in Dublin and outside of that like nothing until I was kind of 15 16 was in Cork and then that was all set up through Gene Daly. So there was a basketball club set up and a wheelchair rugby club set up. And then Rebel Wheelers were set up at the same time. So I don't know if you've heard of Rebel Wheelers or seen me post off with Rebel Wheelers. Um, so like it wasn't until 16 I actually became sporty, sporty myself. Like up until then, in secondary school especially I wasn't allowed to do PE so it was um, an insurance issue yeah health and safety so I um, I wasn't allowed to do PE myself all through secondary school which is mad because I was like obviously fourth, third or fourth year I started playing 
sport myself and then I was going into school and they were like, oh no, you can't do anything. And I was like, I'm probably at a higher level here than like everybody in my class when it comes to sport because like by the age of 17, I was training on the Irish team. Like, Well, that's something I definitely want to hear about a little yeah. bit later. That's yeah. cool. Just first of all, um, how did you... How was your path, I suppose, towards coaching then? Like, so uh, you, uh, you were a, um, a founder of the the Rebel Wheelers. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how it's supposed to help you get into coaching and elsewhere from there? Yeah, um, like, yeah, Rebel Wheelers was set up in 2009, 10, 9 or 10. I can't remember. They'll shoot me now for not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, started out there kind of up until I was 18 I was like say a member and then I was like oh here I'm way too old to be doing these kind of things so with that I kind of started helping out as a club leader up there so I was doing like just taking some sessions up there with the kids and like doing really like fundamental stuff with them like you know just catching beanbags and throwing beanbags and same stuff you do with a an able-bodied kid basically yeah. um, and from there and then with rugby and basketball I was like I actually have an interest in this um so I was like humming and hawing kind of what to do and then Garrett Colton was like he's a plays wheelchair rugby with me he was telling me about WIT about sports and exercise course down there and I was like yeah 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 that, that sounds interesting but then I listened to my um my guidance counselor and kind of typical old Irish mentality you're in a wheelchair oh. you can't do anything so you need an office job so put down web development in CIT as my first choice my CEO right. and I lasted geez six months in there okay. Um, then it was like no this isn't for me dropped out um, took a year out went to Stefan Afa did sports and exercise performance um, did that had a bit of issue there as well but we won't talk about that we'll leave that <laughs> um, for the next episode <laughs> <laughs> um, I did that and then I applied for Satanta College but actually broke my leg around that time so that was around 2016 and um, broke my leg then and kind of deferred my intake for that for a year and then that kind of brought me into the strength conditioning side of coaching which I fell in love with nearly straight away and then just like so I'm coaching basketball wheelchair basketball as well um, and that was just true kind of natural transition of like players retiring and oh who's going to coach now and then I did that for I did it for about a year and then rugby got kind of serious. So I actually stopped playing basketball for a year and a half, I think it was. And then back in 2018, 2019, sorry, was my first year as assistant or assistant coach at a basketball team. And then that kind of transitioned into becoming head coach now when hopefully we start back brilliant um, so it was, it's a bit of a long winded path but well do you know was, what I was interested well you remind me of myself like you know it's like this sounds awful like me I've been in Stephen I've, 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 I've lasted six months in a course or whatever so um, yeah uh, I'm with you all the way there who has been integral to your development to this point 
Um, definitely Anla, Anla, the owner of Ackley. Like he's he's done so much work with me. You know, just breaking down how I can coach a squat or whatever. Um, so like I'd be probably still unemployed if it wasn't for him. Um, other kind of people that were. People that I looked looked up to, I suppose, was my old rugby coach Stuart. So like he, he just his style of coaching and stuff is like that's actually that's what I would want me to be like as a coach. Gotcha. Um. So like him and Anna, they were two kind of big ones really that like helped me a lot in my own coaching. Um. Outside of that, when I look at coaches like that, I aspire to be like Dan John would be one. So I think Dan John is just, he makes everything so simple. He does, yeah. And so relatable, yeah. So I'm just like, you're good. Nickel, I like the way Nickel kind of relates to his athletes mm. in the All Blacks. Like, so they're kind of the top four gotcha. that um, I would look to when I'm looking at my own coach and I'm like, okay, I want to get to this level. So let's look at what they're doing and then build on that. Great. So you mentioned Ackley there and Anla. What has been um, the main learnings for you since you've joined there? Um, the main learnings for me, they would be like just breaking down barriers, I suppose, was a main one that like me and Anla have talked about a lot. Like, you know, where to say, for example, like, somebody comes into the gym and like their idea of gym is like these macho people and yeah. everyone's like squatting stupid weights. And then they see me and you're like, hang on a minute. Like, how is this fella going to coach me how to squat? Okay. So like, it's like breaking down that barrier straight away. So like the minute they come in, I'm just like, Oh, let's crack a Malin. Um, and then like just break down that perception straight away that this fella can't do anything. And then they kind of, they see me train myself and they're like, Whoa, like I've had, I've had people say it to me and like loads of people have said it to Anna that they're like, it's just amazing what he can do when like you can't even do it yourself, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So um, kind of breaking down that perception, like disability awareness is like something I'm always kind of on about and I'm like, this needs to be more openly talked about or anything like that. So like definitely working as a strength conditioning coach has helped that. Excellent. I've yeah. seen, I've heard great things about Ackley and I've seen videos and it looks quality in there. I haven't, I haven't had the pleasure of joining you, but I have to soon. Um, yeah. Would you suppose give us a breakdown of a week in Ackley and how, how it goes, how classes run and so on? Yeah, so we're, um, we are kind of a small group personal training gym. So we're all private, all one to four sessions or one to one sessions. And like our whole thing is like we're a community. So, like, we have people training inside now, like, that are in wheelchairs. And, like, then there's, like, athletes in there. So, like, some of the tip lads are training in with us. Like, and I've had classes where they've been in the class. And then there's been, like, people in the wheelchair in the class at the same time. You're like, this is actually unbelievable. Like, you know, two, like, two different ends of the spectrum. And they're both, like, just becoming better people at themselves. Um. So, like, coaching-wise, a week in Ackley, like, it's, you never know what you're going to get, you know, like, because, like, even though you know the members, you don't know what kind of way the members are going to line up, like, in the classes, you know, like, you could end up with, like, 
four different people with a disability in the class. And you're like, this is like just another awesome opportunity, say, to yeah, develop sure. yourself as a coach and like make their lives better as well. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, like we're, we're massive on kind of community there. So we always like try and build on that. Like, you know, we host like book clubs and the Lone Moor now. And then we kind of set up that uh, gym in Palestine as well, which is absolutely amazing. Like fair play to Anna for organizing that. I haven't heard about that. Can you can you elaborate on that a small bit? <laughs> Have you not heard about it? I haven't. Jeez, uh, I thought no. Um, I thought I mentioned that to you before. No, but yeah. Um, so Anna went to Palestine the same time I was in Sydney. So that was when was that? 20, 2018. He went to Palestine and went over and did a marathon and helped out in the Ada refugee camp. Um and like a lot of like kind of type two diabetes is over there. Like it's very prevalent over there and like obesity. So Anna was like, I want to help out here. Um came back to Cork and was like, I'm setting up a gym in Palestine. <laughs> and then he went back over there a few times since. Um fundraised for the gym. Like we did the the gym jam. You've definitely heard of the gym jam. Oh yeah, of course, yes. yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> And so we did the gym jam, fundraised for the gym in Palestine through that. And then in February, just before the pandemic hit. And so Anna went, there was a group of six of them went over. Anna and Kate from Ackley went over to the coaches. And then there was like all the other people involved in the fundraising. I went over there, had to like clear out the the room and like basically build a gym in seven days over there yeah so it was it was nuts it's unbelievable it's been it's only just recently opened again because they've been on a hard lockdown since i'd say two weeks after the gym was built they've been on a hard lockdown since then and um so it's only kind of finding its feet at the moment now so it'll be it's like we're hoping it to be a carbon copy of what we we promote and like the way we're all like strength and movement based and like gymnastic based. So we're hoping it's like that over there now as well. Brilliant. Look, I feel like now I've had my head in the sand. I couldn't be stupid <laughs> right now, but I'll have to say I look forward to looking into that more. That sounds amazing. Yeah. But actually I do come across like that only being a hugely positive influence on anyone who enters your doors. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it looks absolutely brilliant. Can you just tell us about the long-term development program that you've been, I believe, working on? So like where am I, wait, no, am I myself for? Sorry, so um, in Ackley, where you've been talking about the long-term athletic development program for people with disabilities and how you can yeah. delve into that area a small bit more. Yeah, so, geez, we have to go, we have to go back to my start there. So, um, so like, we're actually back in 2016, Rebel Wheelers came to Anla and were like, we want to do a strength conditioning program. Um, and he was like, yeah, this is class. Like, this is what he wants to work on, say, then. So um, we started off then looking at um, developing a strength conditioning program for people with disabilities, like kids with disabilities. Like, there's, it's never been done before. Like, there's no, like, there is long-term athlete development out there for disabilities, but, like, it's 
it's not that much looked into because like like most people say most Paralympians yeah. are acquired injuries. Okay. So like they might be like a spinal cord injury or like an amputee or something like that. So like they kind of come into elite sport from like their twenties onwards. So like long-term athlete development has never really been looked at too much. Um, and then like we started our strength conditioning program um that was running for two years straight like building building the kids up through like fundamental movements like just doing like the most basic stuff at the start building them up like you know some of the kids like we had one girl now and she had a tracheometry okay. so like she she improved her quality of life so much through what we were doing with her that she actually the tracheometry got taken out. Oh my God. So like, yeah. And then like, we've had like kids now that like saying never went upstairs before and now they're like going up the stairs themselves or like pushing themselves. Like, you know, it's them kind of small things. They're absolutely like that, that were huge. Yeah. yeah. And then that kind of got me thinking about like, there's no like actual set structure of like planned development for kids with disabilities. Mm. Um, and then, I've been working away with some of the kids myself. So they they stopped that program for a bit um, just through the pandemic and stuff like that. And I was working with a few of the older lads and still myself. So like still kind of tipping away with the development side of it. But um, like the stuff Anna has done with them has been unbelievable. Um, like it's it's groundbreaking. What, what he's going to do and um well you're just, from you're formidable, yeah. formidable duo the two of you um yeah and I, honestly the ball has to keep rolling there because it looks like absolutely just so exciting yeah. and i've seen the videos and the faces lighting up and yeah. you know there seems to be a great buzz in the gym as well that's obviously something that you you want to set but it also comes across very natural yeah um like the it's just Anna's personality, like, you know, it's just like, especially with the kids, like the kids just shun to him straight away. And then like I was working with the kids for so long before, like through Rebel Wheelers and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. That, like they were used to me. So like they were bouncing off me. And then we kind of just built up that relationship where you could convince them to try something that they were probably afraid to try before. Yeah. And you're like, oh, come on, we'll just try it this way or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it was definitely just unbelievable the way they interacted with us straight away from the get-go and like the smiles on some of their kids like just leaving it was like this is better than winning a world cup like you know yeah yeah. it comes across to me that like you're a very open person you know you're easily to connect with has that always been the way or has that been something that you've developed over your time coaching no it's definitely something i developed like i was very kind of I still am like introverted but like I was a very shy person say until I started coaching and then I was like I have to put myself out there now no choice no I yeah like even just from like that thing I was on about when breaking down barriers like you know I can't shy away from that now mm. so um like I was just like I have to put myself out there so that's definitely something I kind of worked on a lot like and putting myself on in situations where I have to speak or like if you asked me to do this three years ago I'd be like nah good luck really yeah yeah 
Interesting. So um, that's that's definitely something that played a massive role in my kind of coaching is like just that personal development. Yeah. And like just like getting comfortable with speaking out and like because like it's coaching you have to like you can't just and like I can't demo exercises myself a lot of them so like that means I have to be more vocal say compared to so if me and you were coaching the same session mm-hmm. like you'd have the ability to coach someone doing the squat whereas I have to find a way to verbally describe the squat in a way that they're going to understand yeah. and grasp what they're doing well that so must I, be yeah, for your queuing is something that I'd love to touch on there. Yeah. And just how, how beneficial that is for you as a coach, seeing as so yeah. many of us use it, just do this or just do, you know. I yeah. Think the ability to explain or to find different cues that work for different people is a talent, you know. Yeah. And um, can you can you just go into maybe that, that side of things there with your queuing and diff- working with different athletes and how um, not all cues work for the same person and you have to kind of find different areas and so on, you know. Yeah, um, geez, yeah, it's it's probably it's something I've worked on uncon or subconsciously, like you know, it's just yeah. being through trial and error. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, say the deadlift, and I'm like, oh, like you have to push your bum back or whatever, and there's like, okay, that's not working. And I was like, oh, try think as if you have to close a car door with your bum, your hands are full with shopping. Nice, then they're like, oh, yeah, grand, and then they just push their bum back yeah. as if they're closing a the door, you know, it's just like kind of relating things back to everyday life I find especially for myself because like people kind of understand that you know they're like oh yeah so like a squat thing as if you're getting up off a chair or sitting onto a chair mm. anything like that um, and then like obviously you have to get more technical as well say with like just the tip lad staring out for example like coaching them mm. is going to be a small bit different than coaching say a beginner because they're, they have their different ends of the spectrum and like someone's just learning the movement whereas with them you're trying to make them as robust as possible so gotcha, gotcha. Um, like I worked I read a lot of Nick Winkleman stuff mm-hmm. and like his coaching cues are just next to nothing like you know they're so good yeah. um, so like really I definitely read up on a lot of his stuff and was just like oh like I'm going to try this way now or see if this works and like as i said a lot of it was trial and error and seeing what what worked and what didn't work and then just kind of like making notes myself it's like okay this this coach or this cue seems to be working for a lot of people mm. i'm going to start doing that but like then i've had major car crashes myself as well like you know with coaching cues like yeah. single leg deadlift is like when i see someone beginning that and i'm just like oh no here we go now it's 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 a tough movement anyway for most people 100 percent. so then like when you're when you're um trying to break it down into coaching and you're like trying to find kind of that one that one cue that is going to make it all stick together yeah so like they might be grand with the hinge but then like their shoulders are caving in or they're like falling to the side so you're like trying to figure out like the biggest bang for your buck with that cue Definitely. I'm having trouble with that at the moment with the, the lads up in Con in their 16s and just in our warm-ups doing single-leg RDLs and they're looking at me going, you know, and I found myself more of me doing it and not using my queuing. Um, yeah. You know yourself, you've limited time in, in, in these areas or whatever. Yeah. So you got to, you got to, I got to work, you know, that's something I'll take from this 
definitely is. <laughs> got to work on that one. Um, just, I suppose, on the other side of things, we're coaching kind of communication as well. It's like if you're in a class and there's a dead silence, that's something that has to change immediately. Like, so is yeah. that another, that's something else that would have obviously helped you kind of come out of your skin. Yeah, definitely. Like when I, when my coaching started, I'd say it was like very limited, like vocal interaction, I'd say. And then I was kind of like using the music to my advantage, you know, yeah, so changing right. the song. So it's like a hype song or something. <laughs> Whereas now, like, it's just kind of, because I'm more comfortable in myself talking out loud, like, you know, it's just bouncing off the people in the gym and like creating the energy between them and I find like a good warm-up is always going to transfer into a good session Agreed. so if you can like if you can get the energy going in the warm-up it's going to change or like transfer massively into the actual session where they're going to feel good and they're going to be like oh I actually had a really good session here like even though like their weights mightn't have changed or whatever but they just feel very good coming out of it yeah it's actually crazy so, how much yeah. of the onus is on the coach. To, to yeah, it's, to it's mad. Yeah, and like it's something, it's just something that you have to work on, I suppose. Like, you know, when you're, everyone, the same when they start off, they're like, oh, this is my first time coming out of college, coaching, what do I do here? You yeah, know, they, yeah. you don't, you're not prepared for that kind of thing. No, not at all. You just have to get a good, a good mentor, I suppose. And they're like, oh, we've all been here. Like, don't worry. Yeah, and it carries over into so many areas in life then, like... Yeah, yeah, completely. Like, even just sitting down with someone, you know, like, if you're... Like, when we started this, like, you know, we could have both just been at the start and be like, oh, what's the crack? <laughs> or whatever. But, like, it's just about finding that ability to bounce off people, create that energy yourself. Right. Moving on to representing your country, it's something I really want to hear about. And um, so you've yeah. been playing for six years with Ireland in, in wheelchair rugby. Firstly, can you just explain the rules and how a match runs? And yeah, just we'll start there and see what it goes. <laughs> yeah. And um, so it's, it was originally called Murder Ball. Okay. And so. Sounds demanding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had to change the names. So it became a Paralympic sport and they kind of changed the name then to wheelchair rugby. And um, it's a mixture of ice hockey, rugby and NFL and basketball are kind of where the rules come from. Um, it's the only full contact Paralympic sport so there's full chair to chair contact like it's have you watched it before I've seen clips I haven't, yeah, I haven't yeah. watched the whole game I've seen clips yeah it looks yeah so like, you've seen how wild it is like yeah exactly um, yeah. yeah so there's full chair to chair contact um, it's based on a like a lot of Paralympic sports is based on a classification system so you're allowed a maximum of eight points on court at one time per team and the classification ranges from 0.5 which would be the most disabled so you're looking at high level spinal injuries there with like limited pec movement like basically they have their lats and their biceps like no fine motor skills or anything like that no hand movements and then up to 3.5s who would be the most abled so they would be the likes of like your amputees and like low level spinal cord injuries so like it's it's a very wide like kind of diversity of disabilities that can play it now at the start there was only quadriplegics which would be neck injuries so like high level spinal injuries kind of the c level vertebrae and then they kind of made it more and more open to people with different disabilities that were like say struggling to compete in basketball or just like 
any other sport. So it progressively became a more and more intense sport, like able-bodied rugby, like, you know, they're getting bigger, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. The exact same thing in wheelchair rugby, like they're, it's kind of a weird one to say now because like I'm, I'm one of them players, but like they're getting less and less disabled nearly. So like you're looking at like athletes there now that are like to say a double above knee amputees, and then they're missing maybe like fingers and hands, and and then they're competing against like so people who are like really high level spinal cord injury, where like they don't have the hand function, like all their push comes from a bicep curl, more or less, rather than using like all their chest and their shoulders, their triceps. So it's it's mad how how it's changed and yeah how it's it's actually it probably is a better sport now you know like it's way more intense and way more electrifying to watch compared to probably a couple of years ago electrifying the word like well when you mentioned at the beginning there that if you sneezed and you broke a rib i was going how are you surviving this sport but obviously <laughs> yeah. you've become far more resilient and um, it's offered you some pretty cool opportunities as well to travel and um, I know yeah. when you mentioned that you've been in, in, in a previous podcast in Colombia and Switzerland and so on. Can you just explain how these tournaments ran and um, I suppose just the experience overall? Yeah. Um, so depending on the tournament, like some tournaments are a weekend tournament where you could play, geez, you could play eight games in a weekend. like that. So it just depends on what kind of tournament it is. Okay. Um, <clears throat> they're, they're pretty intense. Like, and you'd be pretty sore after them. Yeah. But then like most of the say most of the big competitions like the European Championships now, the World Championships, Paralympics, they're kind of played over a week or more. So like a week to kind of ten days is what they're normally played over. Mm. And they would be kind of one game a day or two games a day, depending on how much time they have and the structure and the layout. Um but yeah, like I've been I've been all over the place with it. I've been to Colombia. I've been to Sydney. I've been to a lot of Europe with it, like Switzerland, Belgium, Denmark, like probably name a European country. And a high chance I've been playing rugby in it. So I've seen, on my passport, I've seen a lot of countries, but in reality, I've seen a lot of sports halls in those countries. Okay. Um, It's... To prepare for the sport, um, now you mentioned again at the beginning that like you like you like testing out yourself and you know trying different things in training. But would your I suppose your primary focus of training be preparing yourself for wheelchair rugby, or would it be elsewhere? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely it has been all kind of sport specific kind of training. But then the last kind of year or two have been like, you know, I just need to make my bones stronger as well. So like I've probably scaled back my training a small bit and it's actually kind of weird. Like the last couple of weeks I've been looking at impacts. So like impact training for bone density. So I've been doing a lot of kind of just like counter movement push-ups and stuff like that. Nice. And they, that has been kind of like my training the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um. just again, just experimenting on myself, but back to the sports specific stuff, like it's, there's, there's nothing out there again. So like anything I've done has probably been like one of few coaches that have done it. Like I know Loughborough are doing a lot at the moment. 
and GB with rugby with the English Institute of Sport, like are doing kind of a lot of sports specific stuff, but they're they're not too keen on sharing their thoughts or anything. So like a lot of it, and I'd say it's a lot of the same for a lot of coaches that are working with disabled athletes. Like, you know, they're just basing it off able bodied research. Okay. And trying to make it work and make it fit. Um so like it's it's interesting. Sorry. Very interesting. Do do us a favor and don't let the don't let the Brits get ahead of us Irish like in in with rugby. Oh, they are they they have the the funding unfortunately compared to us. Well, so now, look, it's it's going to be interesting again. Like along with everything else, you've so many. I think you've so many areas that you can tap into and make a huge, significant yeah. impact in. So that that's going to be very exciting going forward. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I I actually love it. I love doing this kind of like sports specific kind of thing and I'm like some of the things I do are wild I'm like will this transfer into this like you know, <laughs> lately I've been kind of looking at kind of dips and do dips transfer into pushing speed okay. and so like it's the same kind of movement like a dip is like this and like a wheelchair push is the exact same thing yeah. so I'm, I kind of want to possibly do that for my thesis is seeing if there's a correlation between say dip strength and 10 meter sprint speed or 20 meter sprint speed excellent so um yeah some of the stuff is pretty cool to be well, fair if you need anyone to help you out i put my hand up right now <laughs> grand i loved it i'll hold you to that <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, we move into our quick fire round yeah sounds good Ready to rock one man and one woman dead or alive liquid lunch who are they Jeez, uh, that's you weren't messing about these surprises. <laughs> we go broad at the start. Um, do you know Michael Phelps? I think oh, yeah. would be class to have a chat with. Yeah, he's going to stick with Michael Phelps. Yeah, yeah. The focus on that man, I suppose. You know, the splash yeah. he's made, pardon the pun, has been absolutely amazing. But no, I didn't expect that one. That's not a yeah. bad thing. The lady? That's the lady. Oh. Um, <laughs> kind of Bernadette Devlin, I'm going to say. Just from listening to like stuff analysts told me about her. I'm kind of like, she seems like she would be an interesting character to have a chat with. She's somebody else I have to look up as well. <laughs> <laughs> she was um, a Republican. Okay. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So, Number two, if you could change one result from live sport over the last five years, what would it be? I'm going to go with wheelchair rugby, us losing to Sweden in the World Championships. It's just okay. a game. Where was it's that? a game that just 2018. Nice. Where was it? Sydney. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so it was a game that just Jesus, I don't know what happened to us, like, but we just fell apart. Like we should have, we should have destroyed them. Like mm. yeah, and we just fell apart on the day. So that's definitely, I think, a game that got away from us. Okay, long way home then, huh? Yeah, uh, we were over there for two weeks. It was grand. <laughs> <laughs> you got over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and last but not least, um, so I've actually asked Alan Kenny. Uh, a nutritionist from the last podcast this question as well um your death snack pack 
So a snack pack consists of a bag of crisps, a chocolate bar, and a, a drink of your choice. What is your personal favorite death snack pack? <laughs> snack pack. Snack bar. Uh, <laughs> Chris, I'm gonna go with King King Crisps. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. No um, <laughs> No, jeez, chocolate bar, Milky Way. Okay. Yeah, I think Milky Way is a class. Yeah, <laughs> that's the <a> first. <laughs> um, drink. Jeez, I actually don't know. Um, you can't beat a good cup of tea, like. You can, of course. Yeah, you know, like you can't beat it. I think it's Fair definitely enough. one of the best drinks out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Irish listeners will understand completely. <laughs> yeah, everyone else will be like, "What's this fella on about?" Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, come here. Thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate it. I look forward to seeing how, particularly the next few months, go with the thesis and everything like that, but also the impact that you're going to make in your coaching. Um, where can people find you? Uh, I suppose like Instagram or Twitter. Um, they're both iLeggy12. As far as I remember, I'm going to send you that in a minute though, yeah. just for a um, tag. Um, they're both iLeggy12, as far as I remember. Um, like, there's not much goes up on either of them, but if anybody wants to ask me anything, fire away. Yeah. But you have, a, you have a website as well, right? You have a, a number of blogs up there that I've, I've gone through and looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, geez, I can't remember the last time I wrote a blog, but it's actually kind of one of my things is I'm, like, I'm going to have to start putting more content out for myself. Mm. So um, that's adstrengthcoach.ie. Um, yeah, I'm going to work on putting more and more content out as well. So that could be an interesting one over the next couple of months. Definitely. Well, no doubt we'll see you around. <laughs> Definitely, hopefully. And I look forward to visiting you in Akla as well. Yeah, anytime. Chat anytime. <laughs> Thank you very much, Alan, for your time and insight. I really enjoyed that chat. And it will take a while to get over your choice of snack pack. <laughs> to everyone else, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you again very soon.